0: And then I was like, okay, we're never going to need to raise money again. Welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the money podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs. I'm
1: your host, Stephen Husky, owner of Husky Financials Consulting and Wealth Management. Our goal is to help leaders accumulate wealth and empower them to build the life they deserve. Each week, we interview a purpose-driven leader or medical professional that is building a thriving business with community impact. We ask tough questions, learn the habits they practice to build successful careers, and discover a secret they can pass on to help others build their businesses. It's time to talk money, meaning, and maximum impact. Hello and welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the money podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs. This podcast is aimed at reaching those interested in healthcare, education around all things finance, and business ownership. Entrepreneurs, they do come in all shapes and sizes, and as business owners, we've learned a lot through mistakes, struggles, successes, and this podcast is aimed at those who want to learn more about what they could be doing better, either in medicine or business ownership. So today's guest is Ellie Packows. He is the creator of InstaFloss. He's a serial inventor and two-time founder. He started his company, Singular Sound, with his brother in 2013. They have since launched eight Blockbuster products. And in 2017, he partnered with Dr. Ralph Roud and Dr. Anna Mascarenhaus Renhouse. To create the first device that automatically flosses all your teeth in only 10 seconds, InstaFloss. After five years of research and development, InstaFloss is ready to change the world one tooth at a time. Ellie, pleasure having you on, my friend. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely, man. So I'd love to hear how you got into entrepreneurship. What inspired InstaFloss and how you're helping the world?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I got into entrepreneurship while I was still in college uh, with my brother. And uh, he's a musician. And he had an idea for a device that could control a drum beat hands-free. Because if you're playing a guitar, for example, you cannot use a drum machine with your hands. Your hands are pretty occupied. So it's like, oh, what if we can operate it, you know, via like a foot pedal system, but you know, like like you tell, tell the computer what to do very simply, because you don't want it to be too complicated. So we started tinkering with it. We made some prototypes. And when we talked to every musician about like, you know, does something like this exist? They were like, no, but I want one. And then we realized that like, hey, we, we had to do this. So we didn't have any money and we uh, put our device on kickstarter we then broke the record for the most funded in the musical tech category and then over the next seven years or so we came out with a, a lot of products um, that went from hardware to software to electronics and um, and so on so like the whole gamut and you know i was working on all these devices but one time I was uh, flossing, we were getting ready and it was, we had like heat mango and it was just taking forever. And I was like, there just has to be a, a way to like, get this out quicker, you know, because like everyone <laughs> I had talked to was like, I don't like flossing. I hate flossing. And so I, I just couldn't get it out of my head for a month. And I started doing research, like every spare moment I had was I was just like, you know, reading stats on flossing. Uh, and it was uh, like 70% of Americans regularly skip flossing, which blew my mind. And then I went into it further and 30% of the Americans who do floss are most likely flossing wrong. <laughs> and so I, I uh, just to understand it further, I bought periodontal textbooks. I started, you know, reading all the published research I can to understand like, what is flossing? What, what does it actually do? What are we trying to accomplish? Uh, and so on. And so I learned lot and then i had a concept of how we could uh accomplish this so one of the things i learned in the process was that water flossing uh can actually be more effective in many ways than string flossing the water molecules are smaller than string molecules so they can get deeper underneath the gum line and they can clean a full 360 degrees around each tooth uh unlike string and because you can adjust the water pressure you can adjust it to your sensitivity so like if flossing with string really hurts and you don't do it, then it's 0% effective because <laughs> you're not doing it. However, the big drawback with something like a manual water flosser is so you only have one little jet that you have to manually aim. You have to trace your gum line on the front and the back sides of your teeth, which uh, you have to do it at 90 degrees to have the most effective results, which almost no one does and no one gets everything. So people are doing that very wrong. And the kicker is it takes even longer than string. So uh, <laughs> it takes, you take the number one complaint people have of the flossing, that flossing takes too long, and you make it worse. So my idea was for a multi-jet water system that could get all the areas, more, more areas of your teeth at once and be able to accomplish it in just a few seconds while assuring perfect coverage and assuring the correct jet angle. So that was my concept. I would say that right away, the thing I did right, uh, probably the thing I'm most proud of, in the like in terms of the steps I took to accomplish this, was I realized that I am a tech person. You know, I've come up with product ideas. I you know I tinker with them. I come up with concepts to to problems uh, that consumers have. You know that that's what I've done. But this is a medical device, and so I needed to make sure that I was, that, you know, I was not getting lost in my hubris of like, oh, this is going to work. And so right away, I partnered with Dr. Ralph Roud and Dr. Mascarenhaus, and, and I got a few other advisors who were dentists as well, who are not like really part of the team, but, you know, uh, I shared the concepts with and shared our research with. And I wanted to supplement in the dental space, so Dr. Anna Mascarenhaus is the Chair of the American Dental Association Council of Scientific Affairs. It is a complete fluke that I somehow managed to pass through her emails. And she said, yes, let's, let's talk. You know, that was amazing. And uh, Dr. Ralph Roud has done a lot of uh, research on, on fluid dynamics. And so in particular, uh, he's an expert on moving liquid around, you could say. And so I knew that uh, while I had an idea mechanically of how this was gonna work, I needed someone a little bit more expert. So, so with me, coming up with the concept and trying to piece it together and uh dr ralph rod and dr I the has leading our, our research it only took five years to that's, get, it. that's it <laughs> five that's years. it but after five years i'm proud to say that we have a device it could floss all of your teeth with 100 coverage at the correct 90 degree angle uh with better results than uh, people in the manual water flossing or the manual string flossing groups have had. And it can do it all in just 10 seconds.
1: That's amazing. Ellie, um, sounds like you're disrupting the dental world with how you're helping people floss. And I really hope that this catches on. I mean, I dislike flossing and my dentist is always telling me I need to floss more. And of course I do it two weeks before my dental appointment. So <laughs> I've been doing it, you know. Um, but This is great, man. I think that you found something that people really don't enjoy doing, but they know that they need to, but you've made it so much easier. Um, these dentists can can really proudly you know talk about this product once it's been uh, you know sent out to them, and they've had the ex- experience with it. that they can mm-hmm. tell their patients, hey, this is an easier way to do it. I know that if you're going to do it, this is the way to do it. So congratulations first off on just finding something that made things easier for people but secondly for getting the funding and creating this great concept and actually bringing it to, bringing it to fruition and, and soon to market. So again, congratulations on all that, man, that's great.
0: Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, really proud of it and I, I can't wait for people to try it. And hopefully uh, when we start reading the stats in a few years, they won't be as scary uh, for 70% <laughs> of Americans not flossing and uh, 30% flossing incorrectly. Uh, hopefully we can improve that ever so slightly. That's our goal.
1: Well, maybe we'll see you in some research papers and some Perry O'Donnell books as well. You know, maybe your name will be mentioned in there with the greats. Um, So we already know what makes you unique and your business model and what you're doing. So what are some lessons that this journey with InstaFloss and then even your drum machine has taken you on? And what would you like to share with others who are trying to create something that they're trying to disrupt other markets with?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there have been many lessons. And uh, one of them I would say is because you're dealing with not only known unknowns, but also unknown unknowns, you have no idea. If you have a concept, you know, you have a practice, and you have, know, so you're like, hey, I think this tool would be better for people in my profession or whatever your idea is. You don't really have all the solutions. You might have a mechanical draft in your head. You don't necessarily know how are you going to mass manufacture that? What materials are you going to use? What problems are you going to run into that you have to solve? That can adjust the sort of planning you make. So I thought that we could probably finish this engineering in like a year. Uh, That was incredibly wrong. And so there were many times where I was like, okay, now it's only two more years of engineering. And I didn't want to raise more money uh, for the startup than I thought we needed to because You know, why would you give up more equity when you only need it? Like you only need this amount of money to get to market. However, my uh, (laughs) runway estimates for how long it was going to take to make a device that was going to work, that was going to work better than uh, the devices on the market that we could mass manufacture without defects reliably at scale. uh, You know There were just so many things that made it take longer and longer. And I found myself having to pull away from the development team and from you know the scientific study team and focus a lot more on fundraising way more often (laughs) than i otherwise would have had to do if i had a better timeline from the beginning so i would think take your most like pessimistic uh estimate and, and double it you should be a little safer and then ask yourself like hey if i know it's gonna take double the worst estimate do I still want to do this? And if the answer is no, then maybe it's not something you really want to commit to because sometimes these products can it really, it can be like your life's work, you know, maybe not your whole life, but it really could take a lot out of you. You, you read some histories of various uh, in- inventions, you know, how long it took like the Wright brothers to find the airplane that, you know, that could actually fly, stuff like that. You have to know that you want to do it, that uh, you're going to enjoy doing it, and that the result is going to be worth it. It would also help That's you prevent so. you from running to investors at like an appropriate times.
1: <laughs> That's great advice. I'm sure people were always asking you for equity in the company and all that as you're trying to get these seed rounds, which how do you, how do you create that narrative of, you know, I want either 100% uh, equity in my business, but still, you know, I'll, I'll give you some of this seed money and, um, you know, maybe whenever we start pushing this out, you know, maybe we'll give you some interest back. Like, what did that look like for fundraising? Tell us, tell us about your story around how that went about. How did you ask for money? What did you present to folks? I mean, you gave me a demonstration of the product before we got on. It was like 10 right. seconds. It was awesome. I definitely want one. Um, but yeah, tell us how that all went and and how did you start those conversations with folks?
0: So different investors have different uh priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that. So for the very first round of investors, there's no traction. So you can't point to, um, you can't point to look what we've done, look at the sales that we've had, you know, or anything like that. I would say there is a little bit of traction. We managed to say like, look, we uh, got approved by the patent office. That's something, you know, but the very first investors have to see the potential. And so they have to know that you're not like, they just have to know you're not screwed out of the gate. So... I went to them and I was like, look, this is the potential. Everybody has teeth. Everybody ought to floss. Nobody wants to. If we make this device with InstaFloss, they can, you know? Uh, And so so they, they have to see the vision. They have to see that this is something that if done right, will really be impactful. The second thing is that they have to know that there's a chance that it will be done right. So the, what I had in the, the only things I had really for the very first investor meetings was the patent application that was approved and the, and a very, very rough prototype. The very first investment I got, I remember the guy was so skeptical. He was like, yeah, no, da, 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 da. And then I'm like, here, but, but try the prototype. And he tried it and he was like, okay. Okay, I agree. So you know that, that is very, very useful. Now if you don't have a prototype, you know, like if, or if your prototype really is terrible, it, the, you're going to have a much harder time. And you could say like investors are people who will give you money if you can prove you don't need it. So. <laughs> so the more you need it, the the worse off you're going to be. So obviously, the best time to raise money from investors is when you sold your, your company last month. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. So, so there's, it's always going to be an effort team. There's always something you're going against. So that was the first round, just the vision and the prototype. Uh, Then we actually ran a Kickstarter campaign, uh, a a pre-sale campaign again, and we did 2.5 million in pre-orders because people were just super excited about, you know, uh, having a floss done for them automatically in 10 seconds. And then I was like, okay, we're never going to need to raise money again. But then we try to go into manufacturing and we're like, we had to change mobile. So we had to do all sorts of stuff that was super expensive. And it's like, ah, we need to raise money again. <laughs> and so I went to investors again. And this time it's like, well, our patents are granted. We not only have a prototype, but we actually have a, a, a bill of materials, a contract with the manufacturer. So you can see that, because one thing that can happen is you have a great prototype, Uh, But then you go to the manufacturer, and now it's $500, $1,000 to create your device, and suddenly you don't really have uh, that much. That's a huge risk investors are taking if all you have is a prototype, because there's a big difference between a prototype and a mass-manufactured device. I know founders, personally, who have had great prototypes, and then they went bankrupt in manufacturing because they could not make their device economically, so, so that is something to be very aware of. Uh, now, luckily, I, this is not my first product, so I'm a little bit familiar with what it's going to cost and what is mass manufacturable. However, if you're not familiar with that, I urge you, urge you to take on a co-founder or an advisor or somebody who has done mass manufacturing before because certain things that can be prototyped literally cannot be mass manufactured. It's a different process. Uh, So for my friend, whose company unfortunately went bankrupt, uh, they were using a lot of 3D printing to create their their, uh, device, and that was required for their device, but that was not something that they could do at scale. So fundamentally, their design was not mass manufacturable. So that's just something to look out for. But yes, I was able to say we have something that is mass manufacturable. We already have molds. We've already done some injection molding. Um, you know, we've done the 2.5 million in sales, we've raised this money, we've proven the market. What we've done is we've de-risked it, you know, we've taken all the risks that you think like, oh, well, do people want this? Can you make it at a certain price? Uh, can it be mass manufactured? Is it patentable? We've taken away the risk. And so that was our, our second pitch to, uh, to investors. And uh, hopefully I will never need to raise money again, <laughs> but if I do. <laughs> uh the next thing I'll be pointing out to is, look how many people have the device. Look how many people love the device. Look how many people are telling their friends about the device, and look how much we're growing.
1: That's awesome. I mean, it, it, you have to have ingenuity, you have to have persistence. You have to be diligent in what you're doing to create something like this. Um, what I got from what you said is, you know, investors need to see the potential behind what you have. They need to see the vision that you have. Uh, there's got to be a chance that it's going to be done correctly. They have to believe in you as the, as the investee, you know, someone investing in um, and making them a believer. I think the, the patent, the Kickstarter campaign, and your option to make this economical in manufacturing was, was all, you know, easy for them to believe in, in you and your product and that mass manufacturing advisor. And, you know, I'm sure that was super, super helpful. I know that you've got some challenges in creating this thing. We kind of just discussed, you know, ad nauseum about all the challenges that you had, but um, you know, you had already a successful company that you were working inside of so what gave you the permission to be able to leave this successful company and then you know follow your passion to create this even better product
0: yeah no uh, i'll be honest that was a very difficult decision you know and uh, perhaps one that could have been construed as unwise uh it was certainly risky you know i i have already had a successful business and I already had a lot of products in the pipeline that I wanted to make with that business. And I knew that if I was going to pursue this, then I was, number one, taking a huge risk at something that may not pan out because there's, a, there's medical research. There's all sorts of things that need to to happen. I didn't even know that it was going to be five years. Uh, whereas, you know, if you have a good thing going, you know, and that could be anything for you. It could be your practice. It could be your job. it could Who knows what it could be. Um, but I just knew that the potential that if I were to succeed was so huge that I couldn't not do it. You know, I had to step forward and boldly floss where none have flossed before. So, <laughs> so that, that makes was, sense. Uh, I
1: mean, you 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 knew that it was going to be a big risk. I think people mm-hmm. they kind of go to where the comfort level is and they do not stray from that. And and going out on your own and doing something that you're passionate about that risk is outweighing the reward for some of these folks in their own mind. So, I mean, you, you definitely took the leap and, and now it's working out for you and people believed in you as well as yourself. Right. So do you feel because of this traction that you have going right now that you've actually made it?
0: Uh, there's something that my brother and I constantly say to each other is uh, we, we've just kicked the can down the road. You've That's never, to. ever made it like you've never made it no matter where you are. Like, it like, even if, your company is like a multi-billion dollar company. Like you're like, oh, those guys think they made it. No, they're they're scared out of their wits end about all sorts of things that could happen to their company, all their competitors, uh, all the ways it can go wrong. How are they going to exit? Because, you know, you have a bunch of imaginary value in stock. How are you going to convert that to cash? Uh, so yeah, no, you've, it's one thing I've, I've, I've like come to make peace with, you know, definitely in the very you first like maybe the first five years or something like that of my first business it was like oh just one more year two more years we'll have made it i realize there's no such thing you have to enjoy the journey uh you have to have a goal you have to constantly be going towards there but you're never going to reach because life is a struggle you know even if you manage to let's say make it to the complete end you sell your company well how are you going to not have your the funds that you get dispersed and lose all your money how are you going to hold on to your health are you going to you know actualize the goals that you have that are non-monetary you know you had a vision for a life you wanted to live are you living it and for how long (laughs) so uh i don't think you've ever made it i think you just keep kicking the can down the road and then eventually you die but uh (laughs) hopefully you can kick the can down a good road that you want to be going in it's about you if you want to go in that direction keep kicking the can in that way
1: i love that I'm going to take the bait here a little bit. I mean, I love that you're talking about exit planning a little bit. Um, I'm a certified exit planner. I mentioned that on the show all the time. And so talking about people's exits is super important because like Stephen Covey says, that's his second successful habit of, of highly successful people is plan with the end in mind. So when you were creating this business, you know what did your one-year, three-year, five-year, 15-year plan look like? And what is your option for exit? Which door are you going to walk through as you leave the company?
0: Right, um, so right now, the most like likely exit plan, obviously there's contingents, you know, because none of this is guaranteed, but the thing that makes the most sense to me is that we really prove that InstaFloss is better than other options. We show it scientifically that InstaFloss gives you a better floss. Uh, we can show it uh, in the market that InstaFloss is, is uh, preferred by consumers. You know, we show it in uh, the business that floss makes more money than other devices. And so when we can prove it in all these domains, scientifically consumer business, then we have something of real value that would be even more valuable in the hands of Church & Dwight, Johnson & Johnson, Phillips, Procter & Gamble. All of those companies uh, have water flossing devices that are identical to all the other companies water flossing devices uh, because there haven't been any relevant patents in like 60 years and they're all losing market share in a race to the bottom be like hey your device makes the number one complaint about flossing worse it takes even longer than string we make the number one complaint about flossing better and we're patented this is a rare opportunity for a conglomerate such as yourself to gain market share Against other conglomerates, which is super synergistic to use the over buzzword uh, with their other stuff. Because if you're, you know, Procter and Gamble or, or Phillips or whatever, uh, then if you have a device that is miles ahead, better than everyone else, and is patented, and people are now buying into your ecosystem, now you can sell them your toothbrushes and your mouthwash and your toothpaste and all those other things uh, because they're at your store and they're getting something like that. So it's more valuable for them than it is for us. We're selling Instaploss, they're selling everything. Um, And so it would give them an edge. So right now that seems to be the most sensible. However, they're not going to buy it until, you know, an investor or someone who's going to give you money when you can prove you don't need it. So only after we can prove all aspects of the business are superior, that's when I think is the time to, um, to talk to them. And I think there's good opportunity. For example, Waterpik, which has zero relevant patents anymore because the product came out in 1960. Uh, they have a ton of competitors that make something that honestly isn't distinguishable from them. And they only have like 20% of the market share. They were bought in 2017 for $1 billion for church, by Church and Dwight. So, what can we do by actually being patented and making it better? All right, that's what I'm striving to see.
1: I am going to keep you in my uh, Google news feed just to make sure I'll get alerts about it. <laughs> so i can see what's happening with that man great product great message uh great story that you've been able to share with us today what is it that you'd like our listeners to know about you your business and any upcoming events or promotions that um you're excited about
0: yeah so i'm actually super excited right now because i am conversing with you from guadalajara mexico where we are doing our manufacturing so as we are speaking Although maybe not as you're listening, because I don't know when this is coming out. But uh, <laughs> as we are speaking, I am literally at the factory all day, every day, making sure that all the devices are up to spec. And we are shipping in two weeks from time of recording. No idea when you're listening. So seven twenty-eight twenty-three,
1: 23 by the way. So two weeks from now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So go to instafloss.com you could learn more about how it works. Um, what we've done, where you can get it, you can go to the contact info if you want to get through to me. Uh, I will find out about your email.
1: Perfect. I will put all of your information that's necessary for people to reach out to you in the liner notes of this episode. My final question, you know, this, this podcast, not just about money, entrepreneurship and learning about struggles and, and highlights. It's also about making meaningful contributions to society and creating maximum impact. So Mm -hmm. we can tell there's already some impact on what you're doing, but what is your lasting legacy and purpose that you'd like to leave in your community, Ellie?
0: Oh, man. I mean, when you say lasting, do you mean from this chapter or do you mean before we close the book?
1: (laughs) How are people going to remember you 50 to 100 years from now? Let's talk about that.
0: Well, first of all, I'm not sure they will remember me, you know? <laughs> if your
1: name's on that patent still, maybe they will as they look you up. I
0: yeah, know. No, no, somebody, somebody will, you know, somebody will. I'm like, I don't think my goal is to be remembered. I think my goal is to uh, lead the best life I can. And part of that is helping others lead the best life they can, you know, unless you're some kind of like sick sociopath those things are completely intertwined you know when your friends and family and community and you know if you have an ounce of empathy your community is more than just people in your room <laughs> you know it can go out to the whole world you're happiest when they're happiest so I'd really like to live a good life seeing that everybody else is uh, living a living good life and right now at this chapter of my life the best opportunity I have to do that is uh, to give everyone a good reason to smile with healthy guns
1: I love that, buddy. Well, I appreciate that so much. Thank you for joining the Portfolio Poll Show. They can find you at Instafloss, any other areas. Maybe they can find you on social media or any YouTube channels, things like that.
0: Yes, but I think For the sake of links being easy, just go to instaplot.com and you'll find the rest of our socials. That sounds
1: great. Ellie, Packhouse, everybody. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you. Thanks for joining us today
1: on Portfolio Pulse. If you found this helpful and think others deserve to hear about us as well, please like, subscribe, and share us across any platform on social media or your podcast platform of choice. That's it for today. Remember to be happy, stay healthy, and tune in next time to remain financially fit.
2: This podcast is for informational purposes only. It's not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PASS, Guardian, or Husky Financial Group, LLC, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Michael Husky is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PASS, OSJ, 6115, Park South Drive, Suite 200, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28210, 704-552-8507. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PASS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PASS is a wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. Husky Financial Group LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Pass or Guardian. Husky Financial Group LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Two zero two three one five nine one five six expires 8-2025.